How's my mic? Okay. Good morning, everybody. Look who's here. Never thought you'd see me up here, huh? Um, I am Barbara Belant, and I serve in this church in the capacity of Director of Community Relations, and I love my job. I love this church. Obviously, I am not biblically trained, so this sermon or teaching will be more of a chat, a chat between you and me. As many of you know, one thing I'm good at is chatting. The other is research and facts. I will share with you some facts today. I know most of you. I speak with you on the patio, on the phone, in the office, but do I really know you? What makes you tick? What inspires you? Do you really know me? Do you know what makes me tick? What thrills me and inspires me? What hurts me? What I do know is that things change. And um, it's perfect that I name this sermon Things Change because I've changed it about four times this week, um, depending on what was happening each day. Uh, God puts us in a world of passing things where everything changes and nothing remains the same. The only thing that doesn't change is change itself, and it's a hard lesson to learn. But for me, and I hope for most of you, there's one thing that doesn't change. Jesus stays the same. I am a child of God, and I choose to follow Jesus. Let me tell you a couple of get-to-know-you fun facts about me. Do you know that I love rock and roll? I especially love rock and roll guitar, E Street Band and Bob Dylan style. Until several years ago, my husband John and I went to almost every Bob Dylan concert that was within 300 miles of where we were. I love the way Bob Dylan played the guitar, but things change. Bob Dylan no longer plays the guitar. He plays the keyboard. And so I stopped going to his concerts. Things change. But we get some guitar going here sometimes on Sunday mornings, and I always look forward to that. I also love gardening, and especially flowers. I love watching flowers grow from seed. I'm in awe of how beautiful and intricate they are just from a seed. Some flowers remind me of people. Pansies, my mother and Dawn. Poppies, Tobin. Roses, Marilyn. Gerber daisies, Terry. One day last year during the pandemic, I saw a beautiful flower on one of Pastor Alfredo's website posts. The flower came from a succulent plant that I had never seen in a nursery and I wanted it in my yard so bad. I asked him for a cutting. Alfredo drove to my house with Victoria in tow, wearing a mask, obviously, to bring me my tiny cutting. Just a small token of friendship, but things change. Alfredo no longer works at our church, and I don't see him much anymore. But his gift of friendship lives on in our yard and is multiplying and flourishing. Huge. I mean, they're huge. Um, some things never change. Another fact about me, which I said before, is I love this church. 
We have worshiped, worshiped and served here for over 35 years, and both our children came to worship with us and during the midweek youth program, Logos. It is from this association with Logos and with this very church, the Placentia Presbyterian Church, that I came to believe that I'm a child of God and deserve to be treated as one. I also believe that all are created in God's image and all are children of God and deserve to be treated accordingly. I believe this. Our scripture passage today is Mark 13, one through two. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. This church, oh, and then Jesus went on to describe the tribulation and the end of the world and said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. This church, PPC, has existed for 109 years. It's made up of magnificent buildings, just like the temple in Jerusalem, but it will not be here in its current form forever, and we should not expect it to, or should we do everything we can to save it at the expense of discarding the marching orders of Jesus found in the Bible? This church chooses to follow Jesus and has done so since its beginnings 109 years ago. The mighty works of this church done in the name of Jesus Christ will never pass away. What does it mean to follow Jesus? One dictionary defines a Christian as one who professes belief in the teaching. I lost my thing. Here it goes. Small but mighty. So, one dictionary defines a Christian as one who professes belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ. What are the teachings of Jesus? In Luke 4.18, Jesus proclaimed that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. Jesus, in his proclamation to his hometown folks in Nazareth, began the unfolding of his agenda, whose primary focus was social righteousness. Things were beginning to change. Jesus gave us his marching orders. We are called to set the oppressed free. For some of you, social righteousness or social justice has no place in a church. Some of you believe it is political. But Jesus was a political figure with a political message, freedom from oppression. Jesus consistently taught and worked in ways that made comfortable people uncomfortable, and in doing so brought restoration to the poor, 
marginalized, and oppressed. Bruce Main, founder of the Urban Promise, wrote, and I quote, what about Jesus? Was he concerned only with the spiritual dimensions of people's life, or was he concerned about the social and physical dimensions as well? Jesus healed people, he fed people, he embraced the outcast, and crossed racial and ethnic barriers, and he defended women and children in a culture where it was not popular. It appears that Jesus practiced the social dimensions of justice. So why of the words, I'm continuing to quote Bruce Main. so why of the words social justice become so politicized and divisive for Christians? A memorable quote, and forgive my pronunciation, by Archbishop Dom Helder Camara highlights our divergent perspectives. When I feed the poor, they call me a saint. But when I ask why the poor are hungry, they call me a communist. Let me say that again. When I feed the poor, they call me a saint. But when I ask why the poor are hungry, they call me a communist. He, he continues, as Christians, we're comfortable with the concept of charity than justice probably because our solutions of fixing injustice look so different for each of us. Research does reveal that Christians are some of the most generous people, hands down, but discussing injustice can make us uncomfortable, perhaps because addressing root causes can demand more than just writing a check, and at times reveal our own complicity in an injustice, calling us to do some soul searching. The literal words social justice do not appear in the Bible. At least we haven't found it yet. But the biblical commands to be doers of justice and minister justice to the poor and needy certainly compels me to confronting and acting out their social implications." End quote. In 2016, our session wrote an affirmation stating, among other things, that Placentia Presbyterian Church has an over 100-year history of standing for the marginalized and oppressed as taught by Jesus in the gospel. Let me read to you about some of this history. These are facts. I will read them straight from PPC's Centennial Celebration History Book researched and written in 2012 by our own Harry Drake, ruling elder and our current clerk of session. He's also a, a fact and history lover like me. So, and it's a great book. Um, some of you may have seen it, some of you may have not, some of you may have purchased it. I think there's also a CD of it. Um, but I just started reading it this week. It's fascinating. It, goes through the different decades of our church um, from its founding. It talks about uh, the different forms of worship that we had. Uh, it's right here under our history. And they talk about, oh, the different ways that we worshiped, how things changed, uh, buildings, how we changed buildings. And so I'm gonna go into the 
decade of the 50s to the 52 to 62. And right here in the book goes choir, Christian education, missionary education, right here, social justice. Our church, and I'll read directly from it, um, he quotes from uh, the minutes of our session meetings. Our church was definitely concerned with the issue of ethnicity during this period. Under the auspices of the denomination's race relations program, the Reverend William Brinkley was invited to preach on February 27, 1955. Where were you in 1955? Not even born, some of you. It was noted, and this is what he was talking about in his um, sermon, that 98.5 of housing in Los Angeles was not available to Negroes. I'm quoting right out of the minutes. Um, during this decade, refugees were arriving in the United States from Europe and later from Cuba. Our church sponsored several refugees and the Senior High Fellowship was assigned the task of settlement details for the sponsored refugees. Kind of interesting. Then we're, I'll skip to the, um, this one is, let's see, 62 to 72. This was a, 62 to 72 was a big decade. So I'm gonna read to you. In 1963, the California legislature passed the Rumford Act, mandated open housing for all, as a result of this legislation and social issue of race relations in this decade, our church membership became involved. In 1964, many members signed the Open Housing Covenant and a financial donation was made to the Placentia Community Council for this Open Housing Covenant. In March 1965, seminarian Kenneth Lesker requested financial aid for 40 students and professors who had journeyed to Selma, Alabama to participate in a march from that city to Montgomery. A special offering for Operation Selma was made. In 1965, the Synod of California gave approval for churches to participate in the Ashes to Brotherhood Fund to help rebuild the burned out churches of Jackson, Mississippi. And we also raised money for the Watts Emergency Fund. In late 1966, Pastor Jones reported that the Placentia clergy had expressed a strong interest in the Housing Opportunities Made Equal program. Session voted to endorse working with realtors and others in securing housing for minority group persons on an interdenominational community basis Project Equality's purpose. It was to aid churches to purchase goods and services from firms that practice equal opportunity employment. In 1967, the youth conducted a survey of apartment owners and managers in the community to determine attitudes and policies toward open housing. Um, I told you it was a big year, big decade. In the fall of 1968, our church scheduled four meetings on the racial crisis in America. 
These meetings included discussions on racial attitudes and the theological understanding of the roots of prejudice. Directly from the book, Facts. So um, if you want to find out, to get a copy of that book and read more, there's, there's more and I'm gonna get you there. So you see, social justice issues are not new to PPC or for the Presbyterian Church as a whole. I am sure some folks in those days were opposed to these social justice actions and probably left the church in protest. I am also very sure that many more were drawn to the church for the very same reasons. Things change. Now let's skip to 1989. This was a banner year for social righteousness and social justice causes. In 1989, Placentia Presbyterian Church bought the large farmhouse next door. We were not sure how we would use the building. We even thought about making a parking lot. The farmhouse eventually became his house, a homeless intervention shelter, opening its doors as a mission of our church, an act of social righteousness, uplifting the poor and homeless. At the time, many members were not happy at all with this mission. Some members were, at, were so adamantly opposed, they left the church. But we continue to follow Jesus. Well, things change. Some folks who were opposed and remained now support his house wholeheartedly. They even uh, volunteer to, in Charity's Closet to help his house and supporting his house. The ministry became so successful that his house no longer needed PPC, us. As a matter of fact, being a mission outreach of our church was holding them back from expanding. In 2020, with our blessing, his house became their own 501c3 charitable organization, adding three new programs in one year. Indeed, things change. What if PPC had not listened to the call of Jesus and had never bought the house or turned it into his house? In 1989, PPC started the soup kitchen, staying, serving out of our key center, a warm meal for the homeless and hungry every Thursday night, including every Thanksgiving. Again, we heard complaints about the road our church was taking. We don't want those people hanging around our church. We heard messages from the pulpit chastising us for those views and reminding us that Jesus ministered to the marginalized and called us to do the same. We persisted in following Jesus and served a meal to anyone who showed up for over 30 years. Those customers will remember where the meal came from, from followers of Jesus. Some things never change. Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. We are called to do the same. We can quibble about words, but the goal is righteousness, reconciliation and justice for all of God's creation. What is your favorite Bible verse? I've been in many studies where people say Micah 6.8. And what does Micah 6.8 say? 
It says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I think, from my experience, that is most people's favorite verse. So when we made this sign for our church, this is Micah 6.8, but this became controversial. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. You know why it became controversial? That word, do justice, but it's in the Bible. There will always be divisions in the church, but we can trust that the Holy Spirit is here with us, guiding us and helping to heal our divisions. Don't give up. Just as Jesus predicted, our magnificent church buildings will not last forever, but our mighty works done in the name of Jesus Christ will remain. In closing, I want to read you a litany titled, May Peace Prevail on Earth. We live in a time when humanity stands on the border of a promised time, when God's people are summoned to obedience and faithfulness to preserve God's creation, to stand with the poor and oppressed everywhere, and to stand together as people of the church. We are called to be obedient to Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, who loves the whole world and invites us to be stewards of the earth and servants of his people, to be co-workers in the new creation. Let us be peacemakers. Let us be called the children of God, speaking boldly with moral convictions to the nation and the world, building with God's grace a new moral order in the world community, building with God's grace a new moral order in the world community read that already, and acting now for world peace, an enterprise of justice, an outcome of love. So sounds like it was written yesterday, right? It was actually written for the dedication of the Placentia Presbyterian Church Peace Poll on July 2nd, 1989. Some things never change. Amen. Amen.